This is a story about my infant school, where I went when I was a little girl. Infant school is from kindergarten or reception through to second class or year two. I didn't like school. When I started at Double Bay Primary School at the age of five, I cried and cried in kindergarten. I wanted to be at home with mum. There was a little cubby in the corner of the classroom surrounded by curtains. Inside there were toys to play with and when the teacher got fed up with my crying, she would stick me in the cubby. School was strict in the 1950s and kindergarten wasn't just colouring in and cutting out and sticking and gluing and letters and numbers. It was serious. We had to sit at a single desk facing the blackboard, with chair pulled in, sitting up straight, holding our pencil and exercise book correctly. We listened for the teacher's instructions and did what we were told. Children didn't talk unless the teacher asked them a question or if they put their hand out and were given permission to speak. While we were doing our work, she would walk around behind our desks and make sure we were doing the right thing Really, she was teaching us well and making sure that we all understood our work and were on track. Neat handwriting was expected and from the beginning we were doing addition and subtraction and writing simple stories. We also learnt some simple geography. I was very shy at making friends and didn't make a good close friend in the infant school. I loved playing on the monkey bar and both hands were full of blisters from swinging from bar to bar every day. I also loved the big metal slippery dip, the type that is now considered unsafe and, and has been removed from most modern playgrounds. In fact, all the playgrounds in those days were fantastic. They had small playing equipment for young children and big playing equipment for older children and teenagers. There were roundabouts and maypoles and all sorts of swings that could cut off your hands or your head if you got in the wrong position. But we learnt to be careful and that is part of learning by experience. Not that we did lose our hands or heads. Children walked to school in those days as mothers didn't have a car and didn't see any need to take us anyway. Even little children either walked with their brothers or sisters or alone. Almost everyone had brothers and sisters. Family size was larger than it is now, with two children being considered a small family, six children not being uncommon, and only one child being extremely rare. Having no children in a family at all was unheard of. Mothers didn't accompany their children to school because there was no need to. The streets were safe because crime was punished so severely that in the extremely rare event of a crime being committed against a child, this crime would gain the death penalty. I walked about a mile or 1.6 kilometers to school and back with my big brother each day. And near the school, there was a long flight of steps called breakneck steps, which we descended to school. 
Sometimes on our way home from school on a very hot day in summer, the tar on the road would melt and we would stop and scrape some off the road to roll into a little ball to take home. I remember at Christmas time, we were allowed to have some fun in the classroom and do some colouring in of Father Christmas, reindeer and Christmas trees. And on the last day of the year, we had a delicious Christmas lunch at school, all sitting around the classroom tables with sweets and cake and crisps and sausage rolls and cherries. Father Christmas was going to arrive with presents and he also landed behind the classroom. Uh, always, he always landed behind the classroom and I was very frustrated that every single year I missed the reindeer and the sleigh when they came out of the sky for their landing. If we had been good enough with our work, we were allowed to go up to the next year after the school holidays at the end of the year. But if our work wasn't good enough, we repeated the year. That was sensible. What was the point of sending you from kindy into first class if you couldn't do the work? You would hold everyone else up and take too much of the teacher's time. Politeness and obedience to the teachers was taken for granted by every child. At home, we were taught respect for elders as a matter of good upbringing. We were taught not to contradict our elders always to obey them and we didn't know any swear words. If a child, usually a boy, was naughty, he was smacked over the palm of his hand with a ruler by the teacher. And if he were continuously naughty, he went to the headmaster's or headmistress's office to be given the cane on the bottom. And if by any chance anyone knew a swear word and had the hide to use it, the punishment was swilling the mouth out with soap and water. My elder brother fell victim to the mouth swilling. He had passed a note to a girl which said, you're a bloody bugger. That was extremely rude. At the beginning of the school week, we had assembly and all the infants from kindy to second class came into the hall and sat cross-legged on the floor while the headmistress spoke to us. When we would stand and face the stage at the end of the assembly, uh, two children opened the Australian flag and the British Union Jack, and there was a portrait of the Queen on the wall between the two flags. We all sang God Save the Queen, our national anthem, in fact, at cinemas, theatres and concert halls, at the end of the show, every member of the public stood for the national anthem and showed respect before leaving the venue. This was in the days when Australia was a monocultural society and any migrant that came to live in the country was expected to learn the language, get a job, pay taxes and fit in with our customs. This was called the assimilation and integration of migrants and as the first waves of Europeans started to migrate to Australia after the Second World War, they were very happy to fit in. They were just so glad to be in a safe country free of war and political tyrants. The anti-Western policy, and it's only my opinion that it's anti-Western, but I think many people would agree with me, the anti-Western policy of multiculturalism 
was forced onto the people in the early 1970s by Labour and other leftist governments around the West, without anyone ever being allowed to vote on the issue. The policies of integration and assimilation were thrown out. Migrants were no longer chosen from countries with similar cultures. English was often not required, nor work or taxes expected. Everything was handed to these new migrants on a plate, paid for by hard-working taxpayers, and multicultural ghettos started to form with ethnic supermarkets, mosques, Islamic schools, Vietnamese scout groups and Iraqi football clubs that prohibited membership of Australians. It was okay for them to be against us, but we mustn't be against them. Anyway, I sidetracked. Back to school. I wore a little blue tunic over a white shirt, short-sleeved in summer and long-sleeved in winter. The blue tunic was made of cotton for summer and thick wool for winter. We also wore a navy blue tie and in winter a navy blue jumper, plus white socks and black leather shoes. Shoes had to be polished. Tidy uniform for boys and girls was essential. I remember having a very strict Scottish teacher in what they called transition, which seemed to be a period of time between kindergarten and first class. She was called Mrs Cleghorn and I was scared of her. She gave us a lot of arithmetic and we did spelling bees standing around the walls of the classroom. If we got our words right, we could sit down. Otherwise, we stood and kept being tested until we were correct. In first class, I had a lovely teacher called Mrs Gillies. We read books out loud around the classroom with titles such as Faye and Don. These books are classics now and are much sought after. In second class, I had a teacher who made us recite a funny thing every morning that was written on the blackboard. She never bothered to explain what it meant. But if she had, I would have learned to read much more quickly. We had to recite, and I still remember it because I said it every morning for a whole year. A-I-A, A-Y-A, A with a lazy E, A-double-E-E, E-A-E, Y the end of the word, E, P-H-F, T-H-T, etc, etc. And it went on for quite a while. What a pity this teacher failed to explain that these were the basic rules of phonics and were the gateway to working out how words could be sounded out. I didn't understand that this was the road to being able to read. I was a very bad reader at this stage of my school career. So bad, in fact, that mum and dad decided to send me to a girls' private school for third class. The fees were expensive and Dad was just a young doctor, newly starting out in his career. He didn't have the money for the school, but the primary school headmistress said to Dad, don't worry about the school fees now. When you earn more money, you can start paying then. Do you think private schools would be so kind and generous these days? I certainly don't. I remember in second class, We had to make a string bag for craft. I'm no good at craft, even now. I watched as the teacher showed us what to do. Tying knots here and tying knots there. But it looked terribly complicated. 
and I couldn't understand. In those days, I was too shy to ask the teacher to explain it to me again, so I went back to my desk and proceeded to make a bag full of knots and holes, resulting in a container totally incapable of holding anything. I knew I was making a mess and asked if I could go to the loo. I stayed in the loo for a long time, too scared to come back to the classroom. Finally, another little girl was sent to fetch me, and when I went back and sat down at my desk, the teacher discovered my useless bag and was angry with me. I think she picked it up and threw it in the bin. I was hopeless and useless and had absolutely no confidence in myself. Not a good start to school life. I had been so happy in my first five years, safely at home, and school made me feel like a useless nobody. No wonder I cried and hated school life. On Fridays, I had a special treat sometimes. Mum gave me sixpence, equivalent to five cents, to buy a packet of Smith's crisps for playtime. In those days, children didn't often get treats like crisps or sweets or ice creams. They were for special occasions. Eating snacks just wasn't done back then. Everyone ate three meals a day with nothing in between, which of course is a much healthier way to live life than now when people can snack all the time. Occasionally I was given sixpence to go to the sweet shop. A few of us school children walked up to the corner shop before school began and we each bought a paper bag full of sweets like freckles, buddies, cobbers, rosy apples, musk sticks, sherbet and fake cigarettes. For sixpence you could get a whole bag full. Sometimes it was time for child immunizations for diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough and polio. It was taken for granted that every child would be vaccinated and no note needed to be sent home for the parents to sign. It was taken for granted that, of course, the parents would want to keep their children safe from these terrible fatal diseases that only a decade before had killed many children and adults. We all lined up in single file outside the school building, rolled up our sleeves, moved through the classroom until it was our turn, had our shot, and then went through the back door, receiving a jelly bean on the way out. One year, there was going to be a total eclipse of the sun in Sydney, and I was so keen to see it. However, the teachers were very scared that we, we, we would look at the sun for too long as the moon slowly crept across the sky, and were worried we might sustain eye damage or blindness so they brought us all into the assembly room, pulled down the blinds, and that was it. A good total eclipse, totally wasted. Maybe the teachers had been instructed to do this by the government. Luckily, when I was in my mid-twenties, another total eclipse happened down near Bombala in the southern part of New South Wales and we drove there especially to see this wonderful natural event. It was a cloudy day and we thought we would miss the eclipse as the sun was totally blocked out by clouds. However, just before the eclipse began, 
By a miracle, the clouds cleared a hole just around the sun and we saw the whole magical astronomical show. It was a once in a lifetime experience. So that's the end of my story about infant school in the 1950s. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you.